Neil. And uh, first of all, Thanksgiving good? Oh, Thanksgiving? Yeah. We're able to share Jesus and be Jesus to people? It's, it's sometimes harder with your family, you know, than anybody else. Right? Right? That's a good, good thing. All right. So nobody stomped up the stairs and did the mashed... Have I ever told you my mashed potato story? I did, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't stomp up the stairs and do the mashed potato stuff, right? I'll look at... I don't think so. Excellent. Excellent. Praise God. All right. We're in Daniel, and we're actually in Daniel 3. Uh, the reason we're studying Daniel is not to become what? Smarter sinners. Okay? We're not studying it just to have knowledge of Daniel. Okay? Um, not just because it's got apocalyptic stuff in the last chapters. We're studying Daniel so we can become a Daniel. Right? A Daniel. And in chapter 1, we learned in, in the introduction to Daniel that he was a man who, what? Purposed in his heart to know God. Right? He purposed in his heart. He resolved in his heart. That's, that's who he was. So when circumstances came along that were unfavorable to him, like when Nebuchadnezzar came and besieged Jerusalem and took he and his Hebrew um, 14 to 17-year-olds and, and tried to, you know, tried to, I shouldn't say tried to, gave him a new name, which did not glorify the Hebrew God Yahweh, right? Uh, gave him a new... Uh, Tried to give him like a new religion, tried to give him new education, tried to do everything to him. But, but because he had already resolved in his heart, because he had purposed in his heart, that just washed off him like, you know, like water to a duck. Because he knew who he believed, who he walked with, and who is Yahweh God. Because he continued to have his non-negotiable face-to-face time with Jesus, with, um, with the Holy Father at that time, right? Uh, pre-incarnate Jesus. And so, as he was walking, all these things that came along were for his good and for his glory, right? God's glory. Because that's what happens in our life, right? When you resolve, when you, when you purpose in your heart and you're walking through a situation that, that a circumstance that, you know, you, that God has allowed, you realize that in the middle of that, it's not, how does this affect me? Because when you're purposing in your heart, you don't do that. You are able to say, oh, what are you teaching me through this, Lord? What am I supposed to learn? How can I become more conformed to the likeness of you, Lord? Right? And that's how Daniel continued to walk. And then, as he was walking with Yahweh God, then God could go and use him, right? He could trust him because he was trusting him right back. Right, so we learned all the whole introduction of that. We learned how horrible Nebuchadnezzar is. We learned some of the things that he's done. He was a monarch. Remember, he's a monarch. That means that he was absolute ruler. It, it started and end with him, ended with him. Period. Nobody else. Even though he had all kinds of governors and you know lieutenant governors and all kinds of people, but it began and ended with him. And ended with him. Uh, and so he was an absolute monarch. We know that that's going to happen once again when the Messiah returns. It will be an absolute monarch, right? Except it's the Messiah, so it'll be perfect. It will be absolutely perfect. All right, so. We go to chapter 2, and in chapter 2, if you open up to Daniel, in chapter 2, it was Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now, God had already prepared Daniel to be able to not only interpret the dream, but to tell the dream. That had never happened before. An unprecedented miracle. God loves to do that. Right? I'm always like, okay, Lord, you know what? Just do an unprecedented miracle. You know what? You have your full sway in my life. Whatever it is, just do, just show your glory. Just do an unprecedented miracle. Right? And so, and so as we're looking at, at Daniel walking through this, 
If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar would, you know, had an anger management problem, so he'd go all the way to the extreme. If you don't do this, I'm going to cut you to pieces. I'm going to tear you from limb to limb. I'm going to burn all your houses down. It wasn't just something where, you know, go sit over here and, and hang out for a while in a timeout box, right? It was just like, I'm going to get you. And so, and so Daniel, because uh, Ariok had come to him and said, uh, here's what's going to happen, you know, um, because there are problems here and this is what's going to happen. Because the goons, you know, the astrologers and all those guys haven't been able to interpret this. And, and he's going to, you know, off everybody in, the, in, uh, in his government. And so um, Daniel steps into the situation. Remember, he steps into it. It's not like he f- was fleeing from it. He stepped into it. He wasn't obnoxious for God, right? He said, okay, give me some time. We need to figure this out. I'm going to go to Yahweh God, right? And he had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three buddies, and they were his prayer warriors. They're praying all night, and what does God give him but a night vision, right? And gives him not only the dream, but then interprets the dream. So he comes to Nebuchadnezzar and tells him that. Nebuchadnezzar is astounded. We learned what the dream meant. And then we're going to find out what the dream means according to God, uh, even later in the chapters in Daniel. And so, and so Nebuchadnezzar is, is dumbfounded. He's astonished. And Nebuchadnezzar then is like, oh, excellent. Well, I'm going to then promote you. Right? You're going to be head over the courts. So Daniel gets to be head over. And then, of course, Daniel goes, hey, what about my three prayer warriors here? Because actually, you win the battle in the prayer closet, you know. That's where, the, that's where the battle's won, okay? Just like Jesus, when he went to the cross, he won it in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? He was able to walk through the cross because he already had won um, resolving his heart as a human in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so, and so the three guys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then are promoted, okay? Now, so we go to chapter 3, which is where we are. We're halfway through chapter 3. So... So chapter 3 comes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? And they, um, <laughs> you know, was it, was it here that somebody mentioned Veggie Tales about uh, what happened? It was so, all I can see that is now, oh, that's all I can see now, is when all the thousands of people bow down to this goofy, you know, obelisk that's, you know, to, to Nabu, the, you know, his quote-unquote small G-O-D God, do you remember in Veggie Tales? Everybody bows down, and then the three Veggie Tale guys are like, mm-hmm. "I love that." Shandrick, Meshach, and Abednego were like, "Hey, hey, what's going?" And all these people are on, and then people are pointing at him. It's just great. So, chapter three, we're at the point where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Daniel, because they have already purposed in their heart. Right? That this is who this is who they are in God. This is how they're going to walk. They know Deuteronomy very well. They read scripture all the time. And Deuteronomy says, guess what? You shall have no other gods before me. You're not going to bow down before any other gods before me. So Nebuchadnezzar had said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to make a great big huge party. Off in the plains, he's built a 90-foot, 90-foot obelisk. You know, it's it's a it's a four, like a like a four. Um, sided that gets smaller at the top, okay? And, uh, and he's built it of wood, but it's covered with gold, and he builds it to Nabu, his god, and he expects everybody to bow down, but of course, he expects them to bow down, and then, you know, he's, he's getting the honor with that because he tells them that this is what you're going to do, okay? So, 
he gets the orchestra together. He gets all the, you know, the, the people with the horns and the lyres and the psalters and the harps and all this stuff. He gets them all together, and and he has an orchestra going. This is a big deal. The magistrates, the governors, lieutenant governors, the executives, everything, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are amongst those. But Daniel is not mysteriously. He is not okay. So. He uh, the second he says I expect you to bow down the second you hear the what the music right the second you hear the music okay not even you know when he starts talking or whatever but the second you hear the music okay and we were talking about you know this music music can be used for what good and evil good and evil because whatever you put in you it will stay with you whatever you put in your heart will stay there Okay, you'll have to process it. You'll have to do something with that music. That's why you're very careful what you put in. Okay, and so, and so, um, as the music started playing, they all dropped to their faces and bowed down, and except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, so then the Chaldeans, those those were the guys who were the top astrologer guys. They were the ones, the top goons, right? The, they were the ones who who would summon everybody together and all their opinions and then come over here and then I'll go and tell Nebuchadnezzar and we'll look really good to him. So they, I am, you know, you have to realize Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have already sort of ousted them because they weren't doing their duty very well. So they're probably on the watch for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knowing, you guys, you have to remember, between chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's 18 years. Okay, so there's been time. They know that they worship the one true God. Okay, I mean, there's no doubt of it. All right, so you can bet your boots that these Chaldeans are like, hey, where are those three Hebrew dudes? You know, they're not going to be going down, right? And so they see that, they run and tattletale to Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, your Hebrew boys over here, they didn't bow down. All right, so that's where we pick it up. All right, so, so we're in uh, 3 uh, and verse 16. Uh, let's start at 13 actually Fury, furious with rage furious with rage Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego so these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them is it true Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Notice that, if you are ready. He's giving him another chance. You see this? Because you know, he likes the guys. He does. He likes the guys. He can see, I mean, look at all the different miracles that have happened, right? And, and he's been the beneficiary of it. Even though he hasn't said, this is my God, capital G-O-D, this is my, he's always, this is your God, this is your God, this is your God. I mean, that's pretty cool, this is your God. I remember when I was um, in the agency business for 20 years, and uh, I had a, uh, we had about, we had broken off from a big agency, and then we started a a smaller agency, and then it it grew, and so I was there for 20 years, and so the president, uh, uh, his name was Dick, Uh, we got and his wife, we got very close, and uh, and I was vice president, did all the account services and a lot of the creative and stuff, and, and I can remember that when we would fly places, because we had big accounts out in Philadelphia and uh, Baltimore and different areas, and I remember we would fly places, he would look at me and he would say, have you prayed? Have you prayed? Did you pray? I mean, it was almost like it was this magic God. Oh, it's magic God kind of thing. It, and, and it reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar a bit. Because Nebuchadnezzar was like, well, you know, 
you know, your God does this, you know, even though his pride was standing in the way. I mean, you think his pride would fill this room. I mean, his head would fill this room, right? And you can see that he was full of pride, okay? Uh, he really wasn't a polytheist. He was more himself as God, okay? And you could just see his pride like that. And when I would think of that, how he would look to me, because Margot, at that time, he did not know Jesus as his Savior. And when he would look to me, he was expecting my God to come through. Yes, exactly, to come through. Because he had seen it time and time and time again that my God would come through. He, he knew of God. He was raised, you know, knowing of God and everything, but he hadn't come into that relationship yet where he also knows that, you know, you walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, so when, when you read this and when you see this, you have to remember that, that many a times you're that catalyst like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are with someone that, you know, I don't know if you've had people, I'm sure you have, that will come and say, hey, would you pray for me in this? Because I'm not, you know, you got like a direct line or something, right? That kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. You do it better or the direct line kind of thing. And then how do you, excuse me for interrupting, how do you respond to that when you get a response like that? When they say, pray I say, you let's you pray together. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of training them up, teaching them it is. Then I'll pray with him right then. I'll say, well, what do you want to pray? What, what should we pray about? And we'll pray right then. And, then. and then if I have time later on, I will share with him. I'll say, why would you, why would you share that with me? You know, why, why would you think I have a direct line and you don't? And then they're able to um, you know, share that, well, I don't know him like you do. Or, well, why not? You know, and so you're able to walk him kindly through because they're looking at you um, and wanting what you have. See, we're the salt of the earth, right? We're supposed to make people thirsty. We're supposed to make people thirsty for God, right? And so what happens is, as you're walking as the salt of the earth and people become thirsty, they want what you have. Right? They, and so you're, you can lead them through that. And so I would share with Dick. I'd say, you know what? Um, let's pray together. I said, but you know, it's always God's will. It's, it's for our good and for his glory and whatever it is. Um, we will continue to walk this way. And, and, and he would agree. He would agree. And I'd say, well, why, why, you know, why is it that you can't? Oh, no, you know, and we talk on the airplanes. And it was just wonderful that we were able to have that kind of, um, conversation that was heart deep. It wasn't surface anymore. It was heart deep. You know? And so that's what I do every time. I, I stop them and, and, and walk through it with them. <clears throat> Excellent. Then, but pray with them and then say, why is it that, that you know, that you, you pray or why is it that you think my prayer reaches more? Or, you know, and then they'll share. And then it's great. And then you can just share the word of God with them. It's very cool. Very, very cool. So anyway... So let's go back to the verse here. So um, we're in uh, 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 16. Yeah. <coughs> All right. <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Who, who's defending them? God. Absolutely. Yahweh God. They don't need to defend themselves. God's defending them, right? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So there you go. I mean, they didn't mamby-pamby around that, did they? They didn't say, oh, well, you know, this and that, and, you know, well, you know, just for a time. Or They didn't. They said, here it is. 
God says this, I believe it, that settles it. Done deal, and whatever his will is, I'm great with that. Right? He can save us easily, and if he doesn't want to, that's just fine with me. That, that absolute submission to him, right? That everything's okay. So they walked by trusting and obeying and leaving all the consequences to God. That's how you're supposed to walk now. You trust and obey. And then you leave all the consequences with God. Now the reason they were able to trust and obey is because they knew him. You guys, I come back to this time and time and time again. The reason they were able to purpose in their heart, resolve in their heart, is because they knew God. They know him. The more you know him, the more you'll think like him. And the way you know him is the word of God. The way you know the way he thinks is the word of God. Right? right. This should always be upon your heart, on your lips, on your mouth. You know, you're teaching your children. Deuteronomy tells you all that. You know, Deuteronomy was Jesus' favorite book, I'm sure of it. Because he quoted it all the time. He quoted it all the time. He quoted it to Satan when he was being tempted. So, so they, when you know him, when you know him, you know that you can trust it and obey him and you leave all the consequences to him because you know that he has his best for you. It's like my mom always said, you're holding on to daddy's hand, wherever daddy takes you is just fine because he's not going to harm you. He's, you know, he's, he's, you are with him. He's not going to take you somewhere where he isn't going to be there and take you right through it, whether it's in the fire or out of the fire. Right? He is always the deliverer. Okay, so, so he continued on, um, and, and they said, that's it. This is what we believe. This is who he is. Done deal. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious, 19, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. See, before it was sort of a, a little, you know, comely father kind of figure. Oh, come on, guys. You know, if you're ready now, let's bow down. Let's not make this a big deal. Okay? And now, whoa, now they've spoken truth, and now he's upset. Okay? And so his attitude changed toward them. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed those great big soldiers who who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, what did they do? They fell. Don't you love that? Firmly tied, fell into the fiery furnace, blazing furnace. I love this. I, I just love how, how God shows himself constantly. You know, I'm going to tie him up. I'm going to do everything. Big soldiers, great big this. And they come and meanwhile, whoosh, they die. And, and, the, and the three guys just go, da 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 right and fall right in. I mean, really, it's amazing. It's, it's sweet. It's sweet how God, how God writes this. So, um, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, were there three men? Three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, you know, no, certainly, O king. You know, anything the king says, I'll reply. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of what? Of who? Most high God. All of a sudden, boom. Right? Oh, revelation again. Boom. But of the most high God, come out. Come here. 
So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. Okay, remember, this is for whose glory? His glory. Nebuchadnezzar thinks that he's getting get all the glory with all these thousands of people, right? And and the big old obelisk built up, and the orchestra, and the big day, and everything. And meanwhile, God goes, mm, not so much. We're going to trump this. Watch, watch me. Watch me work. You guys, that's what happens in our lives. Everything looks bleak. Everything looks this. And you're the one who's standing for what is right. You're the one who's standing hidden Christ with God for what you know is right. The truth and grace. And you keep on keeping on. And it looks like, you know, everybody else is following this way. And you stand there. And guess what God does? He shows his glory. He shows his glory. He does another unprecedented miracle to show his glory. That he is the most high God. That he is the mo- he can hardly wait to do that in your life. He wants you to take a stand for him. He loves that so that he can show his glory, so he can show him as the most himself as the most high God. So everybody else around can see it, right? All these guys are, think that they're there to worship this goof, you know, obelisk Nabu and Nebuchadnezzar, and meanwhile they're all over going, whoa. Whoa! Gee, nobody should bet the soldiers died. Whoa! Are, look at these guys. What? Can you imagine how it just spread like wildfire? I mean, it was like, this is nothing, that thing over here. This is something. Don't tell me for a second that those people didn't come to know the Most High God. Mm-hmm. Oh, you bet they did. I am sure, I am sure a revival broke out. I mean, are you kidding me? They saw it with their own eyes. They saw it with their own eyes. So, they saw that the fire... Here's what they saw in verse, uh, uh, let's see, 27. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. No smell of fire. A perfect... When God does something, He does it completely, doesn't He? Right? Just like the Red Sea. Right? He parted it, and you didn't even have to walk through like with sloshy mud and icky. Right? Perfectly dry. Wonderful. Right? Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, he's praising still their God. Notice it hasn't become his God. Their God, all right? And who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own capital G God. Therefore, now now he's taking the pride back again. Okay, now he's just seen Most High God do an incredible, unprecedented miracle. Okay, as well as he has seen pre-incarnate Jesus, the angel of the Lord, walking around with him. All right? And he takes it back immediately. He takes it back to his pride. And what does he say? I'm not, you know, not going to let this overshadow me. So he then has to make a decree. So he makes a decree that the people of any nation, verse 29, or language, who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be cut into pieces, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Okay, do you see what he did? He sees the miracle. You guys, this is so human. I want you to understand this. This is so flesh. You see an incredible miracle. The fact that we awaken even in the morning and have our first breath, quite frankly, is a miracle. Okay? But they see a miracle of all miracles. And Nebuchadnezzar sees that. He knows it's the Most High God. He does not repent and fall on his face before the Most High God. He says, 
okay, everybody's seen this. I'm not going to look like an idiot because of this Nabu thing over here in the distance, okay? So now I'm going to decree that if you don't worship the Most High God that can this, this. In other words, he's still in control. Do you see him? He, he's the monarch. He wants to be the monarch over Most High God. So therefore, if you don't do this, then I'm going to cut you into pieces. And I'm going to do, I mean, do you see the same thing? I mean, this is what happens. Yeah, Val. Amen. I like that you, you shared that because you're right. God, at any point, could have stopped that. But he allowed... Remember how we, we our takeaway two weeks ago? He, he allows suffering, right? Whether it's fair or not, okay? He, you know, he, he allows suffering for doing what's right, okay? Because when you're in the heat, like you said, when you're in the heat of that fire, the heat of that purifying fire, and you know that you know that he's the one who, who t- took you through it, he's the one that's there, you go to a deeper level. You go to a deeper level. Your faith grows up. I mean, imagine, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, before they went in the fire, their faith was a monster, right? I mean, it was monstrous, right? I mean, we're all given a measure of faith, right? We're all given a measure of faith. And then we grow it up. We grow it up. And how does your faith grow? By being what? Tested. The only way your faith can grow is by being tested. If you're not tested, you're walking by sight, Okay, if everything is hunky dory and everything's great, then guess what? That's sight walking. But when your faith comes to where the rubber meets the road, it's when you're being tested. So those fiery furnaces could either be uh, a situation that is allowed from God, it could be a situation that has been allowed from Satan, it could be a situation that's allowed from circumstances, right? Or from the flesh. Right, but they're allowed so that we can go deeper. And you're right. At any point, Val, it's tremendous. Any point, God could have intervened, but He allowed them to go through the whole situation to be delivered, to be delivered. And you know, when you look at it, guys, deliverance, deliverance to the godly or the ungodly. Okay, remember, a whole bunch of ungodly were there. Okay, deliverance to the godly or the ungodly is magnificent. When you see deliverance, right, as this person has walked through this, walked through this, walked through this, and you see this deliverance, it is, it is on display. And then what happens is, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have, have already given glory to who? I'm not turning from this. I'm not bowing down to this. Right? And so he, he, he's able, they have gone deeper and deeper Imagine their faith now. <laughs> Unstoppable. Like Daniel, because you do have that reliance. Like, oh, like, oh, Margo's our leader kind of thing. And I think they had that reliance on Daniel. And now they can be independent there. Amen. You know? Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. You disciple to disciple to disciple to disciple, right? That's what we're supposed to do, right? You disciple one to disciple another to disciple another to disciple another. That's what we're called to do, to go into the world, therefore, right, and preach the gospel. You're discipling one by one by one by one. It's been the, ever since Jesus has come. It's been that way. Yeah, Sunshine. I'm just thinking, so faith not tested is a faith not trusted. That's right. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's excellent. Yes. A faith not tested is a faith not trusted. That's excellent. Because because as your faith is being tested, it requires faith to walk through the test. 
Right? It requires, it's the unknown. You trust in Him with a hope that isn't one of those, oh, I wish, or I this, or whatever. It's no. It's knowing that you know that this is who He is, this is who He says He is, this is how I'm going to walk, and you know, if the consequences turn out this way, oh well. It's for my good and for His glory. And when you walk that way, ladies, you're not going to be rattled. You're not going to be rattled by things that come up because when life comes and hits you upside the head, it's what's inside already that spills out. That spills out. You're not going to be rattled. You're going to be rattled less and less and less and less because you know him. You've resolved in your heart who he is and nothing and no one is going to sway you. And that's how he walked. Yes, sweetheart. Well, when you said that you thought Daniel's absence was mysterious, I, I pondered that, and I think I know where he was. Who is home praying? Sure. He was the intercessor. Sure, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. I'm, I'm sure that he was at the head of the court kind of thing, and he was there absolutely praying. I'm Absolutely. And, and what a trade-off, right? Prayer warriors for the dream with him, and now there's Daniel. No Because he knows what was going on. He knows what was going on. And obviously, he was excused. You know, because Nebuchadnezzar was a monarch, right? Obviously, he was excused from this situation, okay? And so he knew, I mean, because it was the whole area, you know, the whole... And so to think, yeah, and what a sweet thing that plays along with what you were just saying, uh, uh, Val, that, you know, wow, now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing. It's just, you know what? When all you have is God, God is all you need, right? Didn't need Daniel. Now, Daniel was very, very... um, was a, it was a tremendous example for them the entire time, but it's more caught than taught, right? So that they're growing, they're growing, they're growing, they're growing in their faith. Do you have something else, sweetie? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, sometimes we're a Meshach or a Shadrach, and sometimes we're a Daniel in the prayer closet. Amen. And those, those experiences, those back and forth Amen. Amen. Prayer is always the engine. It's always the engine. It's always the work. Don't ever, ever give up because I'm, it's prayer that is the work. It's first, second, third, last. It's everything. I mean, it's the only thing that reaches heaven before we do, right? I mean, we're able to go into the throne room of God the Father, the mighty God, through Jesus Christ. Oh, nothing better. There's nothing better. So, so uh, as we look at this, that suffering is necessary. Remember the other takeaway that I had left before was that God is sovereign whether the result of our obedience is triumph or tragedy. Right? God is sovereign whether the result of our obedience is triumph or tragedy. Romans 8.28. All things work together for the good. Right? Not necessarily what we think good is, but all things work together for the good. Okay? And so, and so, um, and so as we go to... Um, uh, as we as we keep walking here in uh, in eighteen, and then we're going to kick in nineteen through twenty three. I just want to stop here, and I want you to realize that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took that stand and said, "Let it be known, O King, that you know what, no matter what, we don't serve your gods, right? We do this. We worship. You know, we're not going to worship the gold image that you set up. We're not going to do this. You know, whatever happens, and we're not responsible to you. We, we don't have to defend ourselves. Okay, we're not going to. You know, what happens is, is that when you make that statement, okay, note if they would not have verbalized that, it would have been way easier to cop out. Are you following me? When you 
stand when you write something down, when you journal, when you speak it aloud, when you pray aloud, when you proclaim, it's who you are. It's who you are. And so it's, way, it's, it's harder for you then to step back and compromise. Okay? So, so I think that um, when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said that, they had already seen God's faithfulness through their obedience of not taking the food, right? Not taking the food that was to the images and, and to the wine. Yes, sweetie? I mean, even though they, you know, he, he, they resolve themselves and they say, whatever happens, we trust God. I mean, this is something that I always struggle with, is that part of them, before they were put, thrown into the fire, don't you think they were frightened? Or Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, like, oh, like, absolutely. Say that in here, you know, of that, okay, I, you know, it's the same thing with Gabriel, is that I've resolved myself that we're going to do this disease and we walk forward and things like that, but it's still that fear that that when we yeah. enter, you know, they didn't jump in saying, whatever. my God's going to save me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. No. So it's okay to still have the, that's oh, what, yeah. I guess what, that's what I'm asking is that, is it okay that even though they resolve themselves, we trust our God, we know this, and same thing for me, I know, I know all that I know, but I still walk into things with our, this disease, very fearful, you know, and, and I just want to know if that's, that's well, normal or, or, well, here, Faith is at the opposite spectrum of fear. Okay? And and perfect love casts out all fear, the Bible says. Okay? So, when you're walking by faith, and you continue to know who He is, and you proclaim who He is, and you continue to be in the Word, and continue to pray, and you continue to walk by faith, okay, with your eyes on Him alone, not on Gabriel, not on the circumstances, not on the fiery furnace, what happens is your faith starves your fear. Your faith starves it. Fear will be there, but your faith starves it. So it can't be, rah, rah. It's not that overwhelming. Exactly. Which I don't experience like I used to. So it's like, it is that that growing, walking Mm -hmm. forward. Yes. It has changed over the last two years. Yes. Mm -hmm. I still get that. God is so faithful, though. And he says, I mean, he says so many times in his word to not fear. Yep. I I love the passage because I am going through something right now, and I keep repeating it over and over. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but Amen. power and love and a sound mind. Yeah. And he is so faithful that even in the midst of the scariest circumstances, That's right. the peace of God is Amen. And it still does. Amen. I just want to you know it's still okay to I think I what I, I guess what I'm searching is that is it okay that you still get sad mm-hmm. about something or you know, I mean, just like Jesus did in the garden, you know, where he's like... Oh, You're going to have emotions or feelings, but you don't walk by your feelings. You walk by your faith. Okay? Amen. Like we talked about, you pray the promises, right? You pray his promises. You don't pray the problems. You pray the promises. The sandwich. You pray his promises. You proclaim him. You pre- present your request to him with thanksgiving, right? And then you praise him again. Okay, because then the, the peace of God that passes all human understanding guards your heart and your mind. That's what needs to be guarded. Because you have to set your mind on things above. Okay? That means there's work in that. You have to set your mind. Okay? You can't set your mind unless you're in the Word. Okay? Because this is things above. Okay? So you're continually setting your mind. If you have to reset it, 
Reset it. Reset it. Reset it. And it will become easier and easier and easier because what you'll see is you'll see how faithful he is. Look how faithful he is. Look how faithful he is. Look how faithful he is. And as you're walking and you see how faithful he is, you know, behold, he's doing a new thing. This new thing, there's all kinds of jungle around it, says in Isaiah. But you just walk because you know how faithful he is. And you know what? You could look over here and over here and it's pretty fearful. Okay? But when you look here, it's not. Okay, so when you say, is it okay, are you going to have emotions, uh, feelings? Yeah, don't walk by them. And don't, and don't, uh, let me rephrase this. Uh, Don't give yourself the option when you feel this of continuing to walk in your feelings. Immediately give it over to the Lord and tell him, you know what, this is how I feel right now. But I know that I know that you say this and then stand on whatever the promise it is. This is, might be how I feel, but I'm not walking by my feelings. I'm walking by my faith. Because, you know, it's impossible to please you, Lord, without faith. And I know that I know. I've seen how faithful you are, and I'm going to continue walking. And so don't give yourself the option or the, the out that, is it okay? Uh, when that happens, discipline yourself to bring yourself to the point where we're walking by faith again. Don't go bunny pathing down the road because now you're going to go on a great big detour away from the heart of God. He's going to have to bring you back. Okay? So the quicker you can bring it in and say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. This is a feeling. You know, uh, um, the other day uh, a lady was talking to me and, um, and God allowed me to be uh, alone in Lake Geneva for five hours shopping just by myself. As I came home from Judson and just alone in all those different little shops. And, you know, it's very slow. The proprietors will talk to you and, you know, and, and they'll make deals with you. It was just very sweet. I rarely get this. And, but what I noticed is I ended up talking to about ten different people about Jesus because I was able, where you, where'd you come from? Oh, I just dropped my daughter off at Judson University. Uh, oh, and some would know it and some would just, I'd say, oh, it's a Christian you know, liberal arts university, about 1,500 kids, been around for about 100 years, and this, oh, 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 and, and so then I'd mention Christmas, and mention, you know, I'd bring up the name of Jesus somehow, we'd work it in, kind of stuff, and, 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 and uh, she, one of the ladies just engaged with me, I mean, for 40 minutes, she just engaged with me, and we shared and talked, and, and, and I noticed um, something about where she was talking about, you know, well, I just don't feel loved or something. And I said, well, you know what, you may not feel that way, but the Bible says in Jeremiah that God loves you with an everlasting love. So the truth is you may not feel that way, but guess what? Not true, because God loves you with an everlasting love. He's drawing you in his loving kindness. And you guys, in 40 minutes, not one person walked in that store. It was so sweet. So sweet. And of course, I bought tons of stuff in this store. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this. You know what I, mean? I mean, it was so sweet. And I, we got to share. She started talking about, I think God is really, you know, speaking to me and, and has led you here. I mean, it was just a, an incredibly sweet time. But the reason I bring it up is because... It's that same thing. Okay, well, you might not, you might feel this way, but guess what? The truth is that God loves you with an everlasting love. So you don't need to walk in that feeling. Okay? So whatever it is, whether it's fear. And you know, Amy, what you said, um, God always tells you, do not fear. Do not fear. And you know the only reason he tells you that? Almost every time after he says, don't fear, for I am what? I am with you. That's the only reason. 
Don't fear, I'm with you. 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 That's the almost every time that he mentions it in the Word of God, he says, Don't fear, I am with you. There's a reason. There's a beautiful passage, and I just found in Proverbs 18, verse 10, and it says, um, the, the, the name of the Lord is a stronghold. Mm-hmm. The righteous run to it, to it and are saved. And it is so beautiful, and I think about that. It's just all we need to say when you're fearful is the name of Jesus. Yep. The power that comes from that. You can't yep. say anything else. No. Problem. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Amen. 18 verse 10. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, good discussion, ladies. So, as we are, so as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that his faithfulness, they could see his faithfulness, they would continue to be faithful because he is faithful. I, I think sometimes what we do is we, as Christians, I think we start to wait for something big before we start to obey God. Right? It's not we don't want to obey Him in the little stuff. You know, oh, yeah. we, we, we wait until there's something big that comes along, and then we want to obey him that way, right? And, and so you, what you do is you fill your life with many small compromises. Instead of obeying him in the little, in the little, in the little, in the little, in the little. See, delayed obedience is disobedience, period. Period. Okay? So you need to obey him in everything. Okay? He doesn't look at little obedience, big obedience. He looks at you obey. And what we do is that we tend to wait for the big stuff to obey in, but our life is full of all kinds of small little compromises. So guess what? Do you think when the big thing comes along that you're going to obey? No. No, because you're so used to compromising away all the little stuff. You won't. You need to obey in the little. You will obey in the big. That's what happens, okay? And so, and so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego show us that small things really matter. It, it really, really matters. And, and, you know, when God can trust you in a little, what does he do? Trusts you in much. He trusts you in much, right? Okay, so, so when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said this to him and proclaimed that they're not, he's not going, they're not going to follow um, this, this small g God, what I love about that statement is what it doesn't say. Okay, what it doesn't say, okay? There is no hint of any excuse. There is no blame. There's nothing. There it is. This is it. And, and what it doesn't say is, is volumes, is volumes. And so as I was studying that, I thought, you know what? There would be a thousand excuses for them to compromise at that point. Right? You guys? thousand excuses could come through your head at that point. See, and if you don't proclaim what you believe and you stand on that, right, you're going to go down. Because the second you start compromising, the second you start rationalizing, the second you start going, oh, just this once, or, you know, you're going to walk the wrong way. I mean, what if they would have said, um, you know, there's nothing that I can, there's nothing that I will actually, um, I will gain by resisting. Wouldn't it be more good by me living I mean, really, God, wouldn't it be, wouldn't we do more good for you by living? So we'll just resist this, you know, we'll just, you know, you know, we'll just pretend to bow down, we'll just bow down a little bit. I mean, they could, they could do all this kind of rationalization. And, and because they're thinking, you know what, we could die in there, right? They are facing death. We could die in there. So, you know what, God, you really need us alive to do your work. 
But wouldn't that wouldn't that be just a normal thing that would we start coming through your head, right? I mean, you brought us this fire. I mean, look what we're doing. Look, I mean, 18 years, we've made a difference. This, this, right? They didn't say that. They didn't say that. They didn't say, um, well, you know what? We're in a different place, God. You know what? We're not in Jerusalem. We're in a different place. You have it there. You know what? We should probably, you know, as in Rome, as in Babylon, do as the Romans do, do as the Babylonians do. Babylonians, we don't want to cause any, you know, hassle kind of thing. So it's not, it's only, what, 10 minutes? 10 minutes! Just about, you know we don't. Anyway, do you see everything that could have gone through their head? Okay? I mean, it could easily bet that. But, see, they knew that God doesn't have limited jurisdiction. God has unlimited jurisdiction. Okay? It's not just Babylon. It's not just Rome. It's not just Jerusalem. He has unlimited jurisdiction. And so they have to, they have to report to him. He's their God. The Most High God. Okay? And so, or they could have said, you know what, we're going to lose our jobs here. You know, uh, we're going to lose our standard of living. I mean, you want, you, you're the one who gives us the ability to make wealth. It says it in Deuteronomy. I can just, you know, all these different things. Oh, you know, we're going to lose our standard of living and what you brought us here for and this and that. And you know, we've gone through so much. And they didn't say that. They didn't say that. You know, and I, and I see ourselves, often when God brings us, you know, and blesses us, what happened is we make that blessing the idol. Ever do that? When God blesses you, you make that blessing the idol. Okay? You make that blessing the idol and you compromise. You compromise God to keep what we have. Ever been there? You compromise God to keep what we have because that's what would have happened if they would have said, hey, you know what, we got a living, we got the standard of living, we got all this going on. And what happens is they start then worshiping the created instead of the create. Tor, instead of the creator. But they didn't say that. They didn't say that. Another thing they didn't say is, you know, after all, we're not really being called to renounce our God. I mean, really, you know, you know, I love that because they didn't have a super elastic conscience. Right? Their conscience was pure before the Lord, right? And they didn't have this super elastic conscience that would say something like, well, in actuality, you know, we're, we, you know we're, we're not really bowing down to the idol. We're, we're just giving respect to the king. Yeah, that's it. Respect to the king. And we're not really bowing down to the music or anything. Let's be, it's just respect to the king. Because actually, we work for the king. But they didn't say that. Right? They, they didn't say that. Right? They could have said, I mean, God, everybody else is doing it. I mean, you know, it's not that big a deal. Everybody else is doing it. You, you know our hearts, right? You ever been there? You know our hearts. I mean, everybody else is doing that. I, I don't want to be that man out here. I mean, plus, you know what? I'm going to be burned to smithereens here. You don't want that. All what you're doing is you're trying to, to be God with him. And you're trying to compromise instead of trusting and obeying him and leaving all the consequences to him. Okay? And so... Um, you, you know, they, they, they stood alone for God. They stood alone. They, they could have said, um, like I mentioned in the beginning, you know, that it's, you know, what's the big deal? It's only this once. It's not going to happen very often. This is probably the only time it's going to happen. Ten minutes and then it's done and you know our hearts, right? You know, it's stupid to throw our lives away for ten minutes. Don't you think, God? That's, that's pretty dumb. I don't think that, that would be the right thing. Right. Do, do you see what happens? You start playing God to Almighty God instead of leaving all the consequences with Him. 
And the second you start rationalizing that way, this story would have been a lot different. This story, we wouldn't be sitting here going about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the unprecedented miracle that God absolutely showed his glory. See, it wasn't just for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it's not just for you ladies when you take a stand for him. It's for everyone. The deliverance is for everyone. They watch you. They watch you. They watch me. They want to see if what you really believe in is true. And they watch you. And if you compromise it away, ladies, you're not going to be taking them with you. You're not going to be taking them with you. You're going to be just in the sea of all the people that bowed down to Nabu. You know, I... You know... The last thing that I wrote down that, he, that I thought, you know what, he, they didn't say, this is more than can be expected of us, God. You will understand this just this once. This is more than what can be expected of us, God. You, you, you know, God. You, you'll understand it just this once. Right? All this rationalization, pleading stuff with him. The king of the universe that keeps your heart beating, your lungs breathing, your eyes seeing. And you're trying to tell him that you know better. You know, it is really true that God understands our struggle with sin. He does. He does. You know why? Because Jesus came. And he was all man and all God. And he had to become obedient. Right? Even unto death, it says in Philippians 2, right? And so he understands our struggle with sin. And that's why he loves the sinner. He loves us. He loves the sinner. And he made the provision at the cross for the freedom, for the forgiveness, for the, you know, of the power, the presence of sin. And he did that for us at the cross, okay? And so knowing that God understands our propensity to sin should make us want to be obedient. Because his grace, his undeserved favor, right, should make us so overwhelmed with love for him that we can't do anything else but wanting to obey him. Because we deserve hell. We deserve death. And he gave us life through Jesus. And so, and so we should want to be obedient, right? Knowing that God understands our struggle should be a spur to obedience, not a license to sin. It should spur us on to that obedience. And that's what it did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It wasn't that they had to rationalize anything and try to figure it out, etc. They obeyed, no matter what the cost. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says this about, about the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I am glad that the three holy children were not careful to answer, or they might have fallen upon some crooked policy or lame excuse or compromise. Right? When you start dabbling and going, mm, and you're in the shadows, or you're Peter going and warming yourself at another fire kind of thing, you know what? You're going to deny him. You're going to. But the second you stand and you make a stand, you say, whoa, 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 that's against, I resolved in my heart, that goes against everything. No, no, no. God says not to worship any other gods. We're not going to do that. And you know what, O oh, king, we're not responsible to you, we're responsible. I'm not doing it. Stake in the ground. Stake in the ground. No chance to say anything else. Right? Boom. Just comes right out. No chance to say anything else. And Spurgeon says, What have we to do with consequences? It is ours to do the right and leave the results with the Lord. It is ours to do the right and leave results with the Lord. 
Okay, so in verses 19 through 23, right, they're cast into the fiery furnace, all right? And so um, I want you to write down these questions as you uh, as we leave today. I'm not quite finished, but I want you to get these down before, before we... Um, we uh, leave today because I want you to think about this this weekend or this whole week until we come back next week. I want you to ask yourself um, right now, what is your fiery furnace? What is your fiery furnace? Every single one of us is facing a fiery furnace. Okay? Every single one of us. It might not be as, as physical and alarming and shocking as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we're all facing a fiery furnace. And I want you to write down these questions about this. How have you dealt with it in the past? And you know, ask the Lord to just speak to you and just be in silence and just, He will speak to you. He will share with you. How have you dealt with it in the past? Secondly, how will I deal with it from now on? How will I deal with it from now on? You know, maybe you were compromising all the time. Maybe you're, you know, you're making up all the, all the ones that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could have said that I just went through, right? But, you know, how are you going to deal with it from now on? And thirdly, what, God, what is God teaching me through this experience? That's the biggest deal. What is God teaching me through this experience? You have to realize he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you who you are. He's going to... Conform you, Romans 8 says, to the likeness of his son. To the likeness of his son. Philippians 1, right? He's begun a good work in you and he's going to complete it. That's a good thing. That's a good, good thing. Right? Ask, as you're doing your devotions, as you're walking through, as you're reading Daniel this week, ask him. Ask him those. Journal it. Write it down. Make it real to you. Make it very, very real to you. What is God teaching me through this experience? Because these, um, these guys were cast into the incredible fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar was extremely, extremely upset, full of fury. Have you ever looked at the word fury? I mean, it's like uncontrollable rage. Rage is more than anger. The guy must have had a heart attack waiting to happen, right? I mean, and... and and this was extremely intimidating. You know, like you were sharing about, Nicole, you know, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? But, you know, when he spoke to him before, it was sort of like they were wayward boys, you know, and he was the fatherly kind of thing. And then when they so boldly exclaimed about Yahweh God, then his expression changed on his face. Remember when it said that 19? Changed on his face. Okay, so and so then through 24 and 25, what happens is Nebuchadnezzar sees them in the fiery furnace walking around, right, with a with the shiny guy, four men loose, right, and it's like the son of God, right? So he is astonished. Of course he's astonished. He sees not only three people living because his soldiers are dead, right, and walking around, but he sees a fourth guy, really shiny, right? And and so, you know, to think that anybody lived for a moment inside the furnace, okay, when others perished at the door, would just blow his mind. That's why he's so astonished. And so, and so he, he immediately saw deliverance, didn't he? And what we talked about before is deliverance is impressive, whether to the godly or ungodly. Deliverance is always impressive, okay? Um, here they were mistreated by Nebuchadnezzar, but what happened is, is they were delivered by God. 
Ever been mistreated by people? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's part of what the fallen world is, right? But you're always delivered by God. Always delivered by God. Always delivered by God. Always delivered by God. Whether it's whether you're in the fire or whether he takes you out of the fire. You notice with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're delivered in the fire. And they're in the fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar yells to have them come out. And they come out and there's like no smoke, no singeing, no clothes, anything, nothing. And they're delivered out of the fire. Okay. The important part is that you know is that you are delivered while you're in the fire. That's key. He's in the midst. And it doesn't say in scripture that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that he was standing there with him. It doesn't say that. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is reporting that he sees someone, but it doesn't say that they knew. However, when they're in there, oh, they knew they were delivered. They knew. Whether you see him or not, ladies, doesn't matter. It's when you're in the fire, you know that you're delivered because of who he is. And really, you were delivered 2,000 years ago. Everything he did at Calvary, whether it's your sickness... Your Amen. Disease, Amen. Amen. Always. Always delivered. And you are standing in the fire, delivered. Whether you see him or not, he's there. He's there. Right? Just like Chris Tomlin's wonderful song, right? God of Angel Armies is by your side, right? Absolutely. He's right there. I love that it never said that they saw him. Is that cool? Like, wow. As I was studying that this week, I'm like, it doesn't say they saw him. It says Nebuchadnezzar saw him. Right? Because why? The self-revealing God is always revealing himself. Right? Especially to the people who haven't come to know him yet. He's always going after him. He's a hound of heaven going after him. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Here I am again. Love Nebuchadnezzar as much as he loves Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That blows my mind, doesn't it you? Right? Right? I mean, I mean, amazingly. Because he's God. He can't do anything. It's not based on who we are. It's based on who he is that he loves us. Right? And here they are. And here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Already, and that deliverance is impressive. Ladies, when you walk through trials and people watch you and you know that you're delivered right then in the midst of it through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through what he's done in in your life, through the cross, people watch you. People watch you. They're like, whoa, what is it about you? And they're drawn and they're drawn and they're drawn and you're able to lead them right to the throne. Right to the throne. Because you're delivered. Because it's impressive. Because that's not normal. That is not normal. What Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, that's not normal. That's faith. That's abnormal. That's peculiar people. That's aliens in this world. This isn't our home. We're just passing through. Right? That's who we are. We're peculiar people. And that's, and that's who he did. And so when... When Nebuchadnezzar sees the, the four guys, right, and he says, and the fourth is like this, uh, the son of God, it says in King James, right? Um, Jesus, you know, was literally with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the trial. And, and, and I love that whether you know that he's there or not, he is always, always there. That, that is so key, so key, because you guys, you have to realize that the only way you'll be delivered is through him. You can't be delivered through a self-help course. You can't be delivered through, you know, $20,000 worth of counseling. It might lead you to be delivered through him, but that isn't going to lead. That's not going to be the, the end-all, be-all. 
Okay? You are delivered through him. Okay? So God can deliver us from a trial and he can miraculously sustain us in the trial. And he does both. We usually... What is that, what is that saying that my mom used to say all the time? Um, first, first it's the cross. Then we get the crown. Right? First, it's the cross. Then we get the crown. The problem is, is we always want the crown first. Right? Just give me the crown. I don't have to go through this. Just give me the crown, right? I mean, and it's like, no. It's like, first it's the cross, right? What does he say? Take up your cross, what? Daily, right? Right? Deny yourself and follow me, right? Over and over and over again, okay? So... So, um, in verses 26 and 27, the Hebrew guys are left completely unharmed. And, and what he says, Nebuchadnezzar says is, servants of the Most High God. Okay, so before they're even out of the furnace, before they're even coming out, Nebuchadnezzar you know, recognizes that these men serve the true God, the Most High God. Once again, he recognizes this. Okay? So... These men on, on whose bodies the fire had no power, the trial had no power over them. Okay? No power over them because they had totally submitted to the power and will of God. Are you following me? This trial had no power over Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they had totally submitted to the power and the will of God prior to it even coming into their lives. Because they resolved in their heart. You guys, that's how you live. That's how you live. That's how you live. That's how you live. That's your faith starves your fear. You continue to walk. You continue to walk. And he and he says, um, even before the time of Jesus, they knew that the truth of Jesus' promise, like we learned at retreat in John sixteen thirty three, says, In this world you're gonna have what? Trouble, tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. They already knew that. Pre-incarnate Jesus standing in the fire. They already knew that. Somebody had their hand up. Yes? I was just thinking, what a lesson in forgiveness this was. I mean, Jesus, because, I mean, they were coming from fire to furnace. They came out of the furnace, and obviously never can never build up the ones who had. They forgave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, they forgave him. Well, you know, when you're walking in the power of, of, of Jesus, it's easy to forgive. You know, because he's our, he's our total example of forgiveness. You know, when we were yet sinners, what does Romans 5.8 say? God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, he what? Died for us. He died for us. So how can we not? How can we not, right? So even this, in closing, even the smell of fire was not on them, okay? And that was how complete this deliverance was. I want to give you, in, in five minutes in closing, I want you to see perhaps how this whole account illustrates a, a type, okay? And what I'm talking about is a type, the future of Israel during the Great Tribulation, which we're, you know, eventually going to get to in the apocalyptic area, era, okay? And so I'm going to, this is called a type. In other words, it's a, it's a forerunner of what um, the future of Israel during the Great Tribulation looked like. So Nebuchadnezzar is a type of that, okay? So just follow through with me on this for a minute. Nebuchadnezzar is like the Antichrist, Okay, these, this is what is called a type, where you make a, an example of, of, this could would be a type, right? 
Nebuchadnezzar is like the Antichrist who forces the whole world into one religion of idolatry. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar's image is like the image described in Revelation 13 that the whole world would be commanded to worship. Okay? The fiery furnace is like the great tribulation, which will be great affliction for the Jews. Now, when we get into the apocalyptic stuff, these, this will all um, make sense for you. The three Hebrew guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are like Israel, who will be preserved through the tribulation. And the executioners who perish, those great big old soldiers, okay, are like those in league with the Antichrist, who Jesus will slay at his return. These are all in in Revelation and Daniel. And the mysteriously absent Daniel is like the church, not even present for this time of great tribulation. Because it's been raptured out. It's been raptured out. That's called a type. Okay, When you look at it as a forerunning of what is what Revelation is talking about, what is to come. Okay? I mean, um, when, when you see that, um, you know, just like with Abraham and Isaac, right? That whole thing, that was a type of the forerunning of the Messiah coming, right? Giving his only son in this. Okay, that's what it's called. And we'll learn that more and more as we're, as we're going through. And, and the end of this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the greatness of God. The Most High God, doesn't he? He says, absolutely, this is the Most High God, okay? And he actually gives glory to God, but he recognizes that it's their God and not his God. Okay, that is paramount, ladies. You can't recognize, just like my great friend Dick, right, at the time. He recognizes recognizes that it's my great God that we pray to, but it wasn't his Right? You have to, one by one by one, personally come to know him personally and powerfully and passionately and then preeminently over your life. I can't live off your faith. You can't live off my faith. You have to have your own faith in the one who did it all for you. And so, even though Nebuchadnezzar brings glory, and many, many people, I'm sure, came to know Yahweh God, okay? Nebuchadnezzar said, you know, this, this isn't my God, right? He is still, but he recognized that he was still the God of these three brave men. And uh, when Nebuchadnezzar asked, who, remember before in the beginning of three, he's like, who are the gods that are, you know, going to deliver you from my hands? Now he knows, doesn't he? Huh? He answered his own question. Who's the God that's going to deliver you from my hands? Right? Sets it all up. Yahweh God sets it all up. He now knows. Yahweh God. The one true God. The mighty God. Who does it all the time. And he is the God of the Hebrews. He's the God who sends a Savior. He's the God of great power. He's a God worthy of trust. He's a God worthy of full surrender. He's a God who demands absolute um, exclusive allegiance. Okay, and he knows a lot about this God who is the one true God, but he doesn't know him personally, does he? And that's where we're at. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. So, as you're walking through these fiery trials, because the only way you can walk through them is by knowing the one true God, the Most High God. Personally. Personally. That's the only way you can walk. You can't walk off anybody else's faith. It has to be you and Him. 
And now, it doesn't even have to be through all the sacrifices, through everything that they needed to go through back then, because Jesus came, ripped the curtain in two, and he was once for all the sacrifice for us. And now we have an absolute entrance into the throne of God through Jesus Christ. Right? So, it, he has to be personal. He has to be. He's the personal, yeah. And, and Nebuchadnezzar continually showed himself that, yes, this is the guy. Because, quite frankly, that little uh, obelisk gods thing over here couldn't do anything, could he? But one true God could. But he hadn't become his yet. That's the question you need to make sure. That he's yours. That he's yours because that's why he came. To deliver you. To deliver you, not only from your sin forever and ever and ever, by His grace, because we stand in grace, and we live by grace, and we're saved by grace, and by grace we'll be in heaven. It's always by His grace, right? And He continues to deliver us, no matter where it is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just praise you that that's who you are. Oh God, that's just enough. It's just enough just to praise you. Just enough. Oh, God, you are the God who is enough for every single situation, every single uh, heartache, every single walking through uh, fallen world stuff. Lord, you have already triumphed over the grave. You are already seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us right now, making us a home forever and ever and ever with you. Lord, may our faith grow this week. Oh, God, grow up our faith. Grow up our faith, Lord. As we answer those questions, Lord, about the fiery furnace, may we hear from you. God, we want to hear from you. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. We are your servants. Make us more and more like you and less and less like our putrid selves, Lord. Thank you that you are the deliverer. Thank you that uh, we can walk through fiery trials and not even be singed or even smell of a smoke because you deliver us immediately in it. And then you deliver us out of it. Praise you, Jesus. We praise your name. We thank you, Most High God. I praise you for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, thank you for your word. That as we read your word, your word reads us. So change us. Just change us to the very deep core, Lord God. Take these women and use them this week, Lord. Let them know how precious they are to you. And and allow them to um, walk boldly by faith. And keeping your eyes, keeping their eyes, Lord, only on you. Thank you, Jesus, that um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, you were in the midst. And they knew, but they didn't ever, ever say. Thank you, Jesus, that you're always there. Always there. You're ahead, you're behind, and you're by our side, Lord. You are always going before us. Help us to know it in the midst of our mundane and how we walk through this life. Lord, do unprecedented miracles in our lives. We give you full sway because we know that that's who you are and we know that uh, as we walk by faith that we can say, mountain, move, and it'll move. And so, Jesus, that's the kind of faith that we want to walk by. We praise you for the day. We praise you for the sunshine. We praise you for the season that we're able to uh, boldly proclaim who you are uh, to a very lost and hurting world. So give us opportunities this week, Jesus. And we love you to pieces. 